Hey everyone, uh, for all of you checking out, I, you know, I don't say it often enough, uh, whether you're on YouTube, hit subscribe, like the videos if you like the content that we're putting out, the interviews, the commentary on everything, and uh, if you're on Apple, leave a review. Uh, we have we actually haven't gotten a lot of reviews recently, so it, it really helps us out. I mean, everything about this show is completely organic. It's really just through you guys spreading the word yeah. uh, and letting people know that you like the show. So the way to do that really is leaving reviews, liking it. And uh, a lot of people watch on YouTube, but don't hit that subscribe button. They're just that's not what they usually do. So get in the habit of that. Just hit subscribe. And, you know, that way on your account, you'll be alerted every time we have a new show up every Monday. Yeah, guys, uh, it, it helps, but I, I get it. I get on YouTube too and don't hit subscribe on the stuff. I mean, it's just something that's not habit forming. But um, yeah, think about it. Go ahead and hit subscribe if you want to leave a There's review. Nothing to think about. I mean, it takes two yeah, seconds. So hit yeah, the subscribe yeah, button. Hit the We've told you right now. <laughs> You got to do it. Can you tell the difference between the personalities of here with media? And that's why it works because it's like, yeah, do it. Like, eh, if you want to, but it works, man. So the personalities work. And that's why you need to hit subscribe because it's just a different podcast than what you probably heard before. So, I yes. And, and actually, I was going to say with that battle line podcast, often imitated, never duplicated. <laughs> and and <laughs> we really are at this guy. point, I can <laughs> say often imitated because. Chris came up with the name battle line and battle line is not, it's not like a word. It's not a word no. in the dictionary. And <laughs> no. suddenly I'm not going to take any shots, but there are podcasts popping up here and there with people. We know very similar names, a yeah. uh, little hey. bit of inspiration, maybe. Hey, that, whatever. If it, if it inspires you and you're doing a good thing, then great. Then, then take it, take it for what it's worth. But like the battle line, that name came up with me listening to two songs. I, I listened to a group called Pillar. Well, I don't know if you've heard of them before. They're a hard rock, but they're they're somewhat Christian, but they came out with a, a, a song called Frontline. And then I was listening. The next song was Five Finger Death Punch Battleborn. And the words, actually, if you listen to both of those lyrics, both those songs, it fit for really, it fits for me. I was like, man, that sounds, those words fit. So listen to the words, but that's where Battle Line came from. It was from Frontline and Battleborn. So Pillar and Five Finger Death Punch, but the uh, the, the actual name, the word doesn't mean anything. It's the lyrics of those yeah. two songs that actually mean something. So if you get a chance, listen, and they're both out, outstanding songs. For all y'all that listen to the podcast, you know Five Finger Death Punch. If you oh, haven't yeah. heard, heard of Pillar, though, listen to Pillar. Pillar, um, you know, they're, they're, they are more Christian, but they're like a POD, Christian rock group. You know, POD like is great. That. Yeah, they're like that that kind of rock. And they're, they're, Frontline is a great song. Great. For, I mean, I'd love to have those guys on if we ever have, if, if anybody from Pillar ever listens, love to have them on. We should on look it up. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I'll put that on my list of people to get on. Yeah, we Technically, yeah. we have had Chris Cal on when you weren't on, but like five minutes with him at SHOT Show. Yeah. Uh, from five finger death punch finger, so yeah. i i do remember saying we got to get you on for a longer interview at some point and we'll, we'll do it but uh this week we got brad Podliska on really excited for that hey if you've been listening to the show for a while then you know that we've been with ned for years now yeah. we've taken their cbd and honestly the number one concern i hear from people who don't take it is hey i'm in law enforcement i'm in the military 
I get drug tested, I can't take CBD. So for those people, they've found a solution for you in addition to their incredible CBD products. And that is their new sleep uh, product that we'll get right into here. 70 million Americans have chronic sleep issues and 50% of Americans deal with sleep deprivation. You've probably dealt with this at some point in your life and we know how difficult it could be. Yeah. So one of our favorite brands, Ned, has come up with their incredible new product, Shut Eye Chai. It's inspired by 5,000 years of ancient healing tradition, and it's Ned's biggest product launch to date. It's a mellow super blend latte for sleep that combines adaptogens, aminos, functional mushrooms, and magnesium. Seriously, the best ingredients out there wrapped in a heavenly masala chai-inspired spiced body. Think cinnamon, clove, ginger, all that good stuff. It's all natural, made exclusively from functional botanicals, fungi, herbs, plants, minerals, roots, and spices. And the big thing here, as always, uh, third-party lab reports, reports, but this does not contain CBD. It doesn't contain caffeine, melatonin, or dairy. So if you're one of those people who's like, hey, I want to support, I want to check out Ned, but I can't do the drug testing thing with CBD, check out the Shut I Chai. It, it works well. No, it's it's great, and and you do taste that cinnamon in it. You, it's got that spice in it, and you you do taste the the uh, the ginger. You taste the cloves. It, it, it's really good. And this time of year, being you know me being in the Midwest, you live up in the Northeast. It's cold. This is perfect time of the year to be drinking hot tea before you go to bed yeah. at night. And guys, it, it works tremendous. And and again, it it's that you do get that good. I, I like that cinnamon taste. I really do. I, I think it's tremendous. And. And um, yeah, if you can't do the CBD, which if you can take it, they have the best CBD on the market by far. It helps with inflammation, helps with IBS, inflammatory bowel syndrome or inflammatory bowel disease. It definitely helps with my ulcerative colitis. But if you can't and you still need some help sleeping, take the Shaddai Chai and you'll like the taste. And you also like that you get a full night's sleep. So tremendous products. They, they do such a great job over there. They're an awesome company. Absolutely. And their products keep us alert and able to do this, able to have great interviews with people like Brad Podoliska. So check them out. Discover how Shut Eye Chai can revolutionize your sleep and get 15% off with the code BATTLELINE. Make sure you use our code and that way you'll get a discount. HelloNed.com slash BATTLELINE or enter BATTLELINE at checkout. It supports the show and uh, helps us out and keeps us going, keeps us putting out free content. So H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash battle line to get 15% off Sweet Dreams. From Omaha, Nebraska to New York City, from planet Earth to extraterrestrial life in space, a podcast with no equal, engaged in unconventional warfare through your speakers and headphones. This is a show about embracing the suck, conquering your demons, and finding God in the face of adversity. Chris Tonto Peranto. Twitch is on. Motherfucker, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Ian Scotto. You know, Ian and I have been dating for a long time. You are now tuned into the Battle Line Podcast.
The Switch is on, Battleline Podcast. Brad Podoleska on this episode, as I said earlier. Um, before we get to that, man, we've got a couple of military-related yeah. news stories uh, that, yeah, I guess we'll get right into. Uh, both positive, honestly, I would say. You know, unfortunately, with the way the news cycle is, most of the time <laughs> it's negative, and I would say both of these, you guys will probably agree, are positive. So I'll start off with this. Um the headline, and this is the USA Today article, Russia releases American Taylor Dudley Western tanks could be a game changer. That's that's a different headline there, but Taylor Dudley. So when I first saw this, I thought that it was going to be Paul Wellen, who's been in Russia, as we know, for many years now at this point. Yeah. But this is a different military uh, veteran. So an American and Navy veteran detained in Russia since April was released Thursday, his family said in a statement. Taylor Dudley, 35, was backpacking in Europe when he crossed the border from Poland into Russia and was taken into custody. On Thursday, he was released at the Polish border to former New Mexico Governor Bill Richardson and a representative of the U.S. Embassy in Warsaw. Family spokesman Jonathan Franks said in a statement, and when I read this, I'm like, I know Jonathan Franks. He did media for Montel when I booked him, but I think it's the same Jonathan Franks. Um, so then it says here, the Richardson Center worked diligently and quietly for more than six months with significant assistance from the Steve uh, Menzies Global Foundation, from Hostage U.S., and from the James Foley Foundation. The family will be forever grateful for their work. Um, Richardson said in a statement that he continues to work for the release of Paul Wellen, as I mentioned, a former U.S. Marine detained in Russia four years ago. Wellen was convicted of espionage in 2020 and sentenced to 16 years in prison. So I wasn't aware of Taylor Dudley, to be honest, but I also was reading an article from CNN that was a little bit more in depth that I wouldn't have time to read on the air. But the family made it clear that they purposely kept this out of the media and wanted it to be done as behind the scenes as possible and maybe that's why he was released way earlier than someone like Paul yeah, Wellen that it, was, it wasn't a political football. It wasn't a political yeah that's because it's used like that and, and we, I've been through political footballs um yes but uh it, it can it can be a detriment it can be a you know it can be a benefit at times and it can also be a benefit uh, a detriment and I think in this case I think the family did the right thing by keeping it out because you don't want to put egocentric, narcissistic politician maniacs on the spot by making it a political football, as you'd say, it, or putting it out there, because then then you're putting them in a, in a hole that they've got to save face. It's just like anybody. If, if you and I are going to get in a fight and, you know, people are watching, we're probably going to be more there's going to be more bravado going on. We're back and forth. than if it was just me and you I'm like, hey, dude, let's just work this out. You know, nobody's seeing it. We don't have to say fate. And I, I so and I think it's that way. That's just human nature, in my opinion. It's not like a, actually a political thing, even though there's more arrogant narcissists and politicians and politics than there are that there than there are just in the in the general population, in my opinion. But um I, I'm glad they did get off that soapbox. I'm glad they got it taken care of and that he's he's home. And I always tell people that are traveling overseas, this happened when we were in Kurdistan too. We had two hikers that they, they were the Iranians thought they they were spies and they weren't they had nothing to do. I, we were working in, in I was with the agency at the time and they crossed over. They just you, you can't tell where those borders are and they know the locals know the Iranians know the Russians know they know but local populace don't and and the uh, and especially tourists tourists don't and you just cross over a line and they're going to snatch you up. They're watching you. They're seeing it. And uh, so that's why I always tell people that are going overseas, especially if you're going to a country that's neighboring and not necessarily an ally to the United States, be wary of where you're walking. It's not like you can go to the Rocky Mountains and just walk around Colorado and meander into Wyoming and be okay. 
you cross over that line, they're going to see you, they're going to snatch you up and they're going to keep you. So um, yeah, enjoy your vacations when you go overseas, guys, but make sure you know where the hell you're going and what areas are unfriendly and what are friendly. And make sure you also do register with any U.S. State Department facility that you have in the neighboring allied countries, because they are the ones that are going to be the one that are going to be alerted. And then, you know, for God forbid, you're, you're taken captive. They do need to know because they'll have at least a reason. Well, they were in this country. They're not part of us. They were just on vacation. And I always tell people that they're going overseas, make sure you get with the embassy or the U.S. State Department and let them know where you're going. So they have your alibi that you're not working for them. And, and that's my I mean, that's my two cents. But other than that, I'm just I'm yeah, happy for the family, of course, that he's home. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I, I hope the same happens for Paul Wellen. And, um, you know, I know with the whole Brittany Griner situation, like was discussed, why did we free Brittany Griner? Why didn't we free Paul Wellen? Um, I know Brittany Griner's wife, when she was freed, made that statement that, you know, we are going to work and try to get Paul Wellen free. Uh, so hopefully it does, because, yeah, all of them should be freed. And at least from what we know, Paul Wellen wasn't doing anything wrong from what we know. You know, he he wasn't a spy, but we don't really know enough. You know, it, it's yeah. but either way, we'd like to see him back here. But one military veteran back here and one when I like I said, when I saw the CNN headline that a military veteran was um, being brought back to the U.S., I assumed Paul Wellen. But it, it it's a reminder that there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that we don't know about and a lot of names that we've never heard of that because it just doesn't get the press. Um, yeah. Then the second article here, this is from uh, Al, you're very familiar with uh, American Military News. Shout out to yeah. Kellen over there. Kellen over there. Kellen, yeah. how, how do you say his last? I always say it Guida, but he, I, he's not a he's not an Italian. It's it's I, I can't always it's pronounce Guida. it correct. Guida, yeah. It's, but I always say Guida. He's not Italian though, guys. Kellen's a good guy. <laughs> I love Kellen. Yeah, um, so this was all over, but I just I picked up theirs. Um, you know why? Because honestly, they make it like easily printable. I, I always <laughs> talk about that, but I just wish more news outlets made things like easy to print. Anyway, um, Pentagon officially ends military COVID vax mandate. The Pentagon officially rescinded the military's COVID-19 vaccine mandate on Tuesday, according to a Department of Defense memo signed by Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin. The memo stated that no individuals currently serving in the armed forces shall be separate, separated uh, solely on the basis of their refusal to receive the COVID-19 vaccine if they sought an accommodation on religious, administrative, or medical grounds. The military will also end all ongoing reviews of such requests, removing any adverse actions associated with denials. Uh, the department will continue to promote and encourage COVID-19 vaccination for all service members, the memo stated. Uh, the department has made COVID-19 vaccination easy, convenient. I mean, I don't need to read the rest, but yeah. uh, I think the first thing I'll say is just this ties into something we've spoken about military recruitment numbers down and we covered a few months back they're loosening tattoo policies and i think yeah there are people out there who are like i don't want to join for this reason and if you can't get the recruitment numbers it, it doesn't make sense to have all these reasons that people can't join and excuses for people not to join, not to join and that. uh yeah it shouldn't have been there in the first place because statistically we know it's not a major issue of military members um dying yeah. from COVID-19 because of refusal to take the vaccine it's just not far more military veterans statistically dying by their own hands veteran suicide way bigger issue yeah. um so I I think this is like a common sense change in policy and also probably selfishly they need 
more recruits. Well, is it going to help with recruitment? I, I, I don't think so. The, the, the leadership that we've all seen is, you know, and I think it's terrible. It's awful. Uh, the things they push, the politics that they push, uh, instead of looking out for the people that are actually serving. Uh, and so, um, but you know, a, a, if they wouldn't have made this political in the beginning, I probably wouldn't have been a big issue. I remember when I was in and we had to do the anthrax shots because anthrax was a big deal and we weren't given an option. It wasn't, do you want to take anthrax shot or not? It was, do you want to stay at range battalion? Go get the anthrax shot. And I was like, okay, well, I'm in, I signed my paperwork. I don't have a choice. You own me. And they did. The military does own you. It, it, that's when you sign up, you don't have rights as a normal citizen and you, but you accept that. And I say, we accept that when we go in. Um, but you know, that time too, it wasn't a political issue. It was, do you want to live, you know, in case the anthrax gets you, or do you not want to live? Do you want to stay in the unit? And to me, it was all of us was like, shit, fuck, screw it. We're getting, we get, we're getting shot up all the time with all different sort of vaccines and inoculations. That's just, just something else. And, and, uh, you know, I think it also shows the times now, the different times of the military, but also our leadership was somewhat better. I was in part of the General Shinsheki era where give everybody a black beret, everybody, give everybody a trophy yeah. Shinsheki, which uh, <laughs> is terrible. But uh, that is being said, I, I do agree with them removing it. Though. I do. I, I, I'm in complete agreement with with that at all because the COVID issue became has become and it still is more political, to my opinion, than worried about safety. And you're right. The majority of the people within the military, they're not dying from COVID. There's a lot of other things are dying from that. And, you know, the suicide, but also um, uh, yeah, drugs, I don't say meth, but oh, yeah. you know, uh, sure. or fent fentanyl and, yeah. and thing. And, and so um, I think that's way more important. But for the military's recruitment to go up, it's going to be changing leadership. <laughs> and, there, and there probably and there probably are those people who you know for they have a certain specific issue and their personal doctor might recommend they don't take it and then they they can't join the military it doesn't make any sense it never it does it does it always needs to be left up to the doctor and that was one thing also with our shots at ranger battalion the recommendation was coming down from our surgeons we have our own ranger ranger doctors it's not an army doctor we have surgeons that are rangers they're tabbed they're scrolled and and they had that decision. Now I, I was you know lower in the totem pole, so I'm sure they're getting orders coming down from higher that they have to follow. But, but I'll tell you what, most of the surgeons that I had at Range Battalion, they were pretty fucking outspoken. If they didn't agree with something, they didn't make a difference. If you were a general, this captain that was the surgeon, he'd tell you, "Hey, sir, no fuck, we're not doing that." And the general, most of the time that I saw, and this is me as a lower peon, I didn't see behind the doors because I wasn't an 06 or an 05. But most of the time when the surgeon said it, it didn't matter what rank you had, the surgeon superseded whatever it was because he's a subject matter expert. So I, I'm with sure. you. I mean, oh, and we said, we said this on the show from the beginning when this happened. It's like, hey, just putting this out, who do you want to listen to? Listen to your doctor. Your doctor knows. The TV doesn't know. The government doesn't know. Your personal doctor. So it should be a personal decision. So uh, I'm, I mean, yeah, I'm glad they're removing it. I don't think it's going to help with recruitment because there's bigger issues in the military than that. But it was. I mean, right it might decision. on a micro level, though, right? I mean, I, I don't think there, there has to be some people who this is the reason they're not. Yeah, pro and the I'm not saying it's hundreds, not saying yeah. it's tens of thousands, but there's probably maybe a few hundred. 
Maybe. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I put money. I mean, I, I wouldn't bet against it. Of course, there's a few. I, I, there's got to be with the with the thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of recruits going in. Yeah, there's got to be some that are saying, "Okay, I'll go join now." That you know, I'll I'll put up with the other shit. They got rid of this, <laughs> so yeah, I'll go join. So yeah, I, yeah, they're probably. But to, you know, to say that it's gonna, oh my gosh, you're gonna meet the recruiting numbers because of this? No, no, that, no. But really I mean, good. how many? How many people, right, left uh, New York State because of the vax mandates or L.A.? I mean, I know I know people who did. They're you know, just regular people. Or um, I could even name radio people. Uh, uh, Kane, who was on 92.3 FM and worked at Sirius XM, um, he lost his job because he didn't, he didn't want to get the vaccine. And they fired him from what was 92.3. They've yeah. changed the station a bunch in New York. So, I mean, I just think it, it'll it echo the same thing in the military. There's probably those same type of people who said, I don't want to do this. And if I can't join, so be it. You know, me talking on this is just from me talking to the kids. There are kids here locally that that know and they'll come and they'll talk to me about the military. And I'll be on the majority of them say they're waiting. They're going to wait two years. What does that coincide with <laughs> the next election? They're waiting for the leadership sure. to yeah. change. But in the meantime, what I love that they're doing is they're going to school. It's like, well, yeah. And I even recommend it. Like, hey, I got my degree before I went in. So you know what? That's not a bad idea. Go to school Go to or go to a trade school. Go two years. Let this clear out. Let this administration push their way out. I I don't know who's going to win the next one. And I'm not even going to roll. I, I don't. I don't really follow it a whole bunch too much. I, I wouldn't think that this administration, if he ran again, would win just because of what has taken place over the over two years so far. But I do believe that a lot of it, again, has to do with just the leadership that's in charge. And Millie is not, my, this is my opinion, Millie is not a good leader, I just from what I've seen uh, from and the things that have gone on, where the emphasis has been put on changing base names you know instead of actually taking care of troops you know where money has been being spent not training your troops but putting more money into a war that i i still don't know if we should even be in um uh, you know but we could we could go down you know what we could go down that rabbit hole brother and and i don't want to go down that way because we'll be talking me and you'll be talking about it for the next 30 minutes but um I, I, it, 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 is just, it is a step. It is something I think that was right and should be pulled back because the vaccine to me was not so much, especially in the military, more about safety. It was it was a political a political stance, and that's horseshit. Politics should never be put before patriots. Should never be put before those that serve. But ninety nine nine point nine percent of the time, they are. And I know that for sure <laughs> too. But it, still, maybe it's a small victory within the military ranks, and and you're right. Maybe it will help a bit, but I still see I see an influx and in military that will meet the recruiting numbers if a Biden administration loses the next election, or and someone that's coming doesn't in that footsteps doesn't win. If a Democrat doesn't win the election, I see. I'll just put it plain like that. If a Democrat doesn't win the election, military numbers will go up. I, I just think that's going to happen. And maybe you and I can talk about that one time. We have a you and a, you and I only, and we can go through that more of why I feel that way. But I that's my opinion is what may happen. But I could be completely wrong. And you guys can all say, Tano, you're fucked up. All right, I am. You're right. And I would admit it if that isn't the case. If we're still going in two years, maybe we'll remember to talk about this. Uh, okay. 
<laughs> yeah, hopefully we are still going. Well, uh, with that, we're going to get over to Brad, but I got to mention you guys, uh, we're actually just about at the time of SHOT Show. Chris and I won't be there, but you know yeah. who will be there and is going to have the best booth in the building? Photonist Defense and Fort Scott. They're going to have they're gonna have two best booths. Two best booths. But the reason I say <laughs> Photonist is because they have that night vision um, yeah. demonstration. Yeah. So cool. get there and sign up because there's going to be a ton of people signing up to see that. Um, if you go to at Photonist Defense on Instagram, they'll give you details of where they'll be at SHOT Show. So as you're hearing this, if you're in the firearms industry and you want to get a demo, because we get plenty of questions. Why should I spend this amount on night vision? I could just go to Cabela's, I mean, I've heard it, and spend a few hundred bucks on night vision. There's a there's a world of difference between what you're going to get with state-of-the-art technology yeah. like Photonist. So check them out. Now you can have the superpower to see in the dark with the Viper binocular night vision system by Photonist Defense. It's the global leader in night vision solutions, providing more high-quality night vision capabilities than anyone Military, law enforcement, and public safety end users utilize Photonist Defense Solutions to give them the edge at night in tactical situations and rescue operations. Hunters, shooters, boaters, and enthusiasts can rely on the Photonist Defense Viper Binocular to become Masters of Darkness. The new Viper Binocular system carries the same features and benefits as the Photonist Defense Viper Binocular, monocular, with the ruggedized uh, body and harnesses the power of the Echo, Echo Intensifier tubes. tubes. I'm uh, mixing up my words here. So harnesses the power of the Echo Intensifier tubes, giving you sharper images, reduced halo, and industry-leading ultra-fast auto-gating across the range of dynamic operating conditions. Visit Photonist Defense. For more information, photonistdefense.com or look for Photonist Defense product options from your night vision dealer, photonistdefense.com. And if you're at SHOT Show, check them out. Also, of course, all of our shows are sponsored by Fort Scott Munitions. FSM is a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition. It's designed to tumble upon impact and soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed out and quicker incapacitation. This ammo was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors, in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it will be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results with each pull of the trigger. Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in all 50 states. You can go to the dealer locator on the website and go to fsm.com and you'll get a discount with us with the promo code BATTLELINE. You'll get 15% off only available to listeners of the Battleline podcast, fsm.com, promo code Battleline. I'm going to hold up my tin here. Do we? Do they still have the uh, Battleline tactical tins? In you have to check. You have to check. I believe they do. We we. I, oh. I remember signing like 500 of those things. So um, I, I know they sold quite a few over the Christmas holidays, but I think they still do. Just check on their website. But um, if it says it's sold out, then it's sold out, and they're limited run. And you know that's sorry. We'll have to wait till next year. But I think there's still a few left. Well, if they have them, get them. And if they don't, check out the other tins because they're all great. Yeah, so FSM.com, you'll get 15% off with us when you use the promo code BATTLELINE. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, BATTLELINE Tactical, and the BATTLELINE Podcast. So joining us for the first time on BATTLELINE Podcast is Brad Podliska. 
Uh, man, a lot on your resume, I have to say, genuinely. Staff member of the U.S. House Select Committee investigating Benghazi, Air Force Reserve Intelligence Officer, Assistant Professor of Military and Security Studies at Georgetown University. And of course, we're having you on because you are the author of Fire Alarm, which is out now because it'll be Monday. Um, the, my, my introduction to you really was we had Sarah Adams on the podcast yeah. and we spoke about a lot of stuff during the Benghazi committee, during the investigation, stuff that she really uncovered outside of that committee with yeah. Boone that no one heard about really including Chris hey, some of the prior stuff, to yeah. the podcast. And I remember speaking with you on Twitter and I know Sarah endorses what you do and you were saying, yeah, I have a few other things that I think is going to break some ground in terms of why was a YouTube video blamed and got, I got into the book. I know Chris got into the book as mm -hmm. well. And uh, I think an interesting way to start it off. I mean, we're going to cover a lot of ground here though, is I know you're very proud of this quote. It's in your Twitter bio and we can maybe get into ah. the story behind it that I know led to a lawsuit was uh, from Trey Gowdy describing you. And the quote is he wouldn't do what his supervisors instructed him to do. And I love that quote. And that led that led to it. Wait, wait, that was the yeah. Go ahead. I I, I don't. I mean, I know I kind of know where that, but I didn't know it led to the, the. Is that the lawsuit that you you took to them, or they took to you, or what? Yeah, what happened? What was all that? About? Yeah. So I technically took it to them, and it was a Usera lawsuit. So I was a military reservist, um, and I went on military leave. Um, and then as soon as I, I got good performance reports before I left, as soon as I got back, the investigation had change because lo and behold this new york times article comes out about clinton's emails um while i'm gone i come back um the investigation has changed and so i was conducting a far-ranging very deep uh, investigation and it had changed when i got back and they said basically they just started trumping up charges on me when i got back i was fired and so that was the usera lawsuit and uh, trey got his credit and Everybody asked, are you mad at Trey Gowdy? Absolutely not at all. He he told me he was going to look at the evidence. He looked at the evidence. He settled the lawsuit. Um, and so I have no issue with, with Trey Gowdy. Um, and I have lots of issues with the investigation, but that's a that's a different topic. Well, yeah, I, there's a lot of that. And I, I read that, you know, but but I, we can get in. We're going to get into that first. I mean, second or third. Or fourth. I don't know. <laughs> we'll get into that. But before we do. I, I would like to get in your background a little bit. And, and, you know, I would like to get, because we do have a lot of youngsters that want to join people that are thinking about joining and, you know, you know, we, especially Benghazi, there's, there's, there's uh, honestly, there's some great things about that night, especially for me. I, 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 I'm still <laughs> in awe of, of some of the things that the guys did that I was able to witness. Um, you know, but a lot of, there's always a bad taste when some people hear Benghazi and hopefully we can change that a bit. But before that, you know, we had careers and there were reasons we went in. And, and that's what I'd like to get into first is, you know, you were in the, the Air Force Reserves, but government service. But what brought you to that? And was it some epiphany you had in high school? Was it in college and like me where I just got suckered in by an army recruiter because I was <laughs> dumb enough to look his way? Or, you know, that, that's what I'd like to get into first, because I, I do think a lot of our young listeners and those that want to join, they like those stories because they they it's an unknown. And when you know, it's not as intimidating and, and maybe you can get more people to join because there's numbers down right now. We'd love to get more people yeah. in the military. No. Yeah, absolutely. So I was a, a history buff growing up. I lived about 45 minutes from Gettysburg, about 45 oh, minutes cool. from Antietam. So That's that was cool. all the school trips. And so I did a lot of military history reading growing up, decided to major in international relations in college. And then after that, I just applied like probably, you know, 10, 10 applications a week. I got in with the DOD 
uh, Defense Department, um, said, hey, I'm doing military stuff anyway. I might as well join the reserves. Um, so I was fortunate. I was working at the Pentagon at the time, and some of the guys helped me out with getting a commission and served 20 years in the reserves. And, you know, in terms of Benghazi and all that, I actually I was working the topic as a civilian analyst. Um, right. And so that's why I got hired to the Benghazi committee. Now, did you want to go on Intel from the, I mean, was that what your, your goal was, or did you just happen to fall into that? And because that's just the way that way the path went. It's kind of just, I thought it was cool. Like, oh, those are the guys with all the secrets, uh, you know, like Nathan Hale growing up, you learned about him in the American yeah. revolution. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, oh, really cool. Um, of course, you know, it's government bureaucracy. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah they're so not exactly James Bond type world. <laughs> yeah, don't even get me started. I know all those Jason Bournes that came over their first trip and realized, yeah, it's not Jason Bourne shit we're doing over here. It's not at all. I know, but I mean, it's it still has its. I, I you know there are still some cool things that go on, and and absolutely, and, and the intel, and and you know, working as long as you know, you stay and you don't get into the politics of it and you're just working. It's a wonderful job. It really is. Absolutely. And if you can K on that, if you can keep on, that, it's just for contractors and guys like myself, it's easy to stay on. Cause I can, I can fight with, like I, I fought with Bob. I fought with other chiefs of base. I was an arrogant bastard, I was, I was a, <laughs> but I was able to do that because they needed guys. If they were going to fire him, fine, fire me. I'll get another contract with somebody else with you. Uh, when you're an employer or staffer, I think it's a little bit more straight and narrow, but tell me, maybe it's not, maybe you are able to, 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 to and you were a DOD contract, were you a DOD contractor for a little while too, or was it always DOD? No, I was, well, I was a DOD contractor for about six months, but mostly okay. GS employee. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I think you, you nailed it on the, the head. So what you guys were doing that night with the Benghazi attack, you guys were having to think on your own, you have to engage in your own initiative. And yeah. what was occurring back in DC was very much a bureaucratic process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, they played the game of telephone. They played the game incorrectly. And we can get into all, in, into all that, all the mistakes that were made. Well, yeah, you know I what? think of uh, I, yeah, I remember Jack Murphy actually saying it to me and it kind of stuck with me how like the bureaucracy, especially when when guys do something that's considered wrong, they act like these decisions are made from like the Starship <laughs> Enterprise. And it's like, that's <laughs> not I'm not a military veteran, but I know that's not the way it works. It's split second decisions. So it's very easy for guys in high levels of bureaucracy to say the this process wasn't followed and this should have been done this specific way. And it's like in life or death situations, that's not the real world. Yeah, no, that's 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 exactly right. And so Panetta did make an initial decision, turned out to be the wrong decision. Um, and then the bureaucracy caught up with that. And, and there was just one delay after another. Um, something you won't read about the Benghazi report is there was a January 25th, 2012 kidnapping where an American, uh, Jessica Buchanan, was taken hostage in Somalia and a Dane, Paul Deestead Hagen were taken hostage. Okay. And what they had run is the military under Panetta had run Conplan 300. Um, they were very successful at that operation. And so Panetta, what immediately came to his mind when he heard about Benghazi was, uh-oh, this is another hostage, hostage. rescue operation. Yeah. And, um, you know, they thought Ambassador Stevens was, was taken hostage. And they actually thought they had much more time than they did. And so, you know, the, the Tonto and you guys at the Annex, there was never any intention, never any plan to actually rescue you guys or to save you there. Well, that, well that's and I, and I did read, you know, I re and I obviously I got the feeling of that about one thing. 45 i was like Shit. and i remember looking at boone i said right to him we're both and I, i'm saying what he's thinking because over that time frame you know of us fighting and then being on the rooftops in the second firefight 
Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think a lot in DC knew that we had already set up our cure. We we knew the guys where they were at. That was our jobs. That were when we're going to Sebha, we're going farther south, we're going to outside of Derna. We set up cure of plants and mm-hmm. we're we're rangers. That's what we do. And so I knew where the fast guys were. Not just me, but the whole team. We knew where this the SIF team was. We knew where the 10 special forces group that the STTT, that those guys, we knew all those. And actually a lot of us knew a lot of those guys personally because we served with them. So it, it, we knew where they were at. We knew how far they were. We knew who could move. Um, and, you know, but at 145 after Boone, he kept coming to me and saying, hey, SIF's on its way. No, hey, 555th, they're on their way. Hey, those Suda Bay guys, there's a detachment. And we knew there was a detachment in Suda Bay because that's where we lived. When we, before we went to Benghazi, we'd stop there. So we talked to the fucking pilot. <laughs> so it was like, hey, 555th's on the way. No, and I remember I was like, dude, you're breaking my heart. Fucking, and if it's not Domino's Pizza, I don't want to know who the fuck's coming <laughs> anymore. But that was when it's like, shit, nobody's coming. And then by that, when that happened, it was, okay, well, we can give up or we can figure out how are we going to get out of here? And, and um, but, you know, that was something where I, I learned from the book you're reading it was, you know, reading where in politics and when you're in, I, I don't know why we, they didn't go after it more. Why the fuck, you know, did they think we had so much time? Why did they think, I mean, it's, we're getting hit and why were they not listening? I know our, our, our calls that we're getting hit, were going up. I knew they were, we had an ISR, they're seeing it. Why the fuck did it like, well, it's still a hostage rescue operation. Hey, we can still got time to get people down there. Well, that's what blows my mind yes you may not have got there to rescue the ambassador you know i got that that's understandable and i and i testified to that but you don't know when it's going to end that was our biggest argument it was hey fuckers excuse my language no fuck that i sure hey and i i and i even testified to this you never knew when it was going to end so how can you say you didn't have enough time and that's not how we are in the military you are in the military you know that's not how we're getting guys there regardless so where why wasn't and I, I know I read the book. It was actually it wasn't as dry as you said it, it was. It was. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't dry. It was actually pretty good. Um, no, I mean it was. It was. It, it made sense to me. I got it. Um, but tell me, get go more into depth on mm-hmm. that because you don't know when it's going to end. So to me, that's just an excuse. That's just a hey, we're covering our ass. And civilians, they're going to say, okay, you know, you're right. Military personnel, bullshit. That's not what we do. We come regardless. So what happened? Yeah. What what happened there? Yeah, no, that's that's a really good point. So Panetta, um, Obama, and Dempsey meet at the White House at 5 p.m. Eastern time. Obama says, do whatever you have to do to save American lives. He's the commander-in-chief, and to yeah. his credit, he authorized, do whatever you got to do. By the time Panetta's back at the Pentagon at 6 p.m., he's meeting with Dempsey Ham, uh, I think Winnefeld, the, the vice chair, and a couple others. They make the decision, this is a hostage rescue, We've seen this before, like I said, in Somalia in January. Somalia, yeah, sure. What happened then? We had time. We got to set this up. Okay, let's pull Con Plan 300 off the shelf, um, which they did. And the, the real big problem with pulling a Con Plan off the shelf is you actually got to go through, you got to follow Docker. You got to go through the joint planning process. So you should be updating as you're going through things. Of course, that's uh, what you do. Okay, let's talk to the guys in Libya. You know, what's going on there? Are they still being shot at? It's troop leading procedures. It's one hundred and one troop leading procedures. I saw that course of a- that course of action you yep. had. That's fucking our COA. That's what you do in the military. That's like, well, shit. That's <laughs> our COA. They're just that's that's textbook shit you learn as a lieutenant. 
and they're not and they're not following it okay yeah go, are, go, I, i'm sorry this is your interview yeah. and i'm going into go ahead no no, no no this is good um that's exactly right so they did not follow it um they did not follow doctrine and so that's fine panetta has the authority not to follow doctrine however he assumes the responsibility if he screws up yep. um and he did screw up by thinking it was a hostage rescue and ruling out almost automatically things such as the f-16s conducting the flyover um there was the, the Marines, the 24th uh, Marine 24th. Expeditionary Unit, yep. which Adam Housley has reported on, was somewhere in the region. Um, and Adam Housley has reported those guys were ready to respond. Now, it's yep. a long flight. They're coming from Djibouti. But they got organic assets. They could have responded. Like you said, we don't know when this thing was going to end. Um, but all this stuff is automatically ruled out because they're thinking, Con Plan 300, we ran this before. Let's run it again. We've got time. Let's get guys to the staging base. So you guys weren't even a part of their equation. In, in Benghazi, what they were thinking of is we've got a Neo in Libya. We might have to get some guys out of Tripoli or Benghazi if they're still there. Um, and then we got to prepare for instability in the region. Um, and this is just going to um, mushroom when they attend another meeting at 7.30. This one Clinton's in charge of. Um, and with the Benghazi committee, they, they missed this. So Clinton is the, the senior official at the 7.30 meeting. She's going to read a note. The uh, blonde hair individual, I think I have it here somewhere, was taken hostage. So Ambassador Stevens is taken hostage. So they're doubling down now on this hostage rescue. And um, so once again, they just simply thought they had more time. You guys were, weren't a part of their rescue operation or rescue plan. Were, were they not communicating with anybody from the agency? Were they not communicating with Morrell? Were they not communicating with, because we were, 10 off common, we're putting the whole world where there was a CIA radio, they knew what was going on. And that same radio is in the seventh floor. That same radio is in, it's in the Pentagon. It's in, I, I know it's in the, I, I know it's in the executive area there. We're, they're here, the chatter's yeah. going continuously. Are, that's all you got to do is just listen to it. Are they not listening to it? What, what are they doing? So that, yeah, that's a good question. So we know that Clinton talked to Betrayus um, and yeah. she talked to Hicks. And Hicks certainly said, hey, this is a full blown yeah. assault. That's oh, going on. Yeah. Yeah, great. Um, tell, for everybody to tell who Greg Hicks is, so everybody knows if they don't know who he is. So he was a, the deputy ambassador, um, deputy chief of mission in yeah. Libya. And he had, you know, phone calls, exchanged phone calls with, with Christopher Stevens. Because um, he, so he was sitting in Tripoli at the time when the tax sitting was in Tripoli. That's, that's, Absolutely. That's, that's, who that's who they're calling. Yeah. Um, so, but this stuff is not communicated either at the 6 p.m. meeting that Panetta's leading or at the 7.30 meeting that Clinton is leading. It becomes a game of telephone um, that, oh, no, this is hostage rescue. Clinton reads his note at the meeting saying a blonde hair individual has been taken hostage, meeting Ambassador Stevens. And then, is it Landel testified or leading? Testified to the fact that basically the military stood down for five hours. They did. Um, from, from 6 to 11 p.m. Okay, this is basically a search for the, for the Ambassador Stevens. What, um, what shocked me when I read the book, Brad, is that that was not dug into that that right there was why did you not listen to the guys who were the fuck were you listening to why did you not get on and figure out what was going on at the time in libya because you knew people were there you have a feed you're watching from what i and from maybe i missed it in the book but from when i read it i was like they didn't yeah. dig into that and that was one of the problems is nobody ever went any farther than oh it didn't happen Oh, okay. Well, you guys, well, you guys should have. It was never, well, why the fuck didn't it happen? Why didn't you communicate? Who didn't you call? Why didn't you listen to guys in Libya? Exactly. And, yeah. And why do you, now that I got you here, you know, I, I've got the black and white. 
what is your gut feeling of why that didn't happen? You mean and in that, terms of the investigation? Why weren't these uh, questions asked? It's just exactly because you put those in your conclusion a lot in the book, which is great. You're like, this is what we should have asked and didn't. And I think mm -hmm. you actually did put that in the book is like, we should have delved into this farther, but we didn't. And what I got to when I read that I was like, well, Brad, go farther. I want to know why yeah. they did. So, but we're here and this is your opinion. I, I know it's, it, it, you know, we're not going to hold you to it, but this is what our show is. It's a show of opinions and people can say you're wrong. That's fine. I, but <laughs> I, I, I do want your, I do want your opinion because you know, I have my opinions, but I, you were there. I wasn't sitting in that select committee. I was getting interviewed from times, but I wasn't there 24 mm -hmm. seven like you were. So what, 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 why, why do you think? So this is where I spent a considerable amount of time in the book saying it's a mistake to think this is actually Gowdy's investigation. This was Speaker Boehner's investigation. Ah, uh, yeah, that's right. I remember. Okay. Um, Speaker Boehner did not want to conduct the Benghazi investigation. He was forced to by the conservatives this actually, I call it the first battle in the Republican Civil War, the, the Republican fracture. So you get this, this war between Boehner and Jordan that's going on. So Jordan leads the populist wing, which Trump's going to take right. over. And that's what we have today. Um, Boehner didn't want to conduct the investigation. So when I first got there for the first six months or so, it was investigate whomever, whatever, whatever agency, whatever individual, that's fine. And then this Clinton email story comes out and it's all hands on deck for clinton's emails and as i said meanwhile i get back from reserve drill i'm like hey man i'm willing to go after whomever still and so in my book i actually i tried to pin down in terms of these these politicians who actually want to follow this thing through to the end and i found that jordan westmoreland and jordan westmoreland and gowdy were the guys that stuck it out until the end and that's why i say it's kind of this other agency phase of the investigation so the intelligence community the dod um, the White House was kind of tacked on the end of the investigation. But because I also make a point in the book, if you don't, the subject matter experts are kind of tossed to the side because they might not be loyal to the party. So you have political operatives that are asking these questions. And so I would tell anyone, go online, look at some of these transcripts and some of the questions that are asked. And you'll, you'll see why those, those questions were not answered. I got you. Uh, and that makes sense. And I do remember that. I did. I do remember that chat part of the book with Boehner. I got that feeling with him in the first one too, with the Mike Rogers committee in that first yep. where, where they, and that was very unorthodox too, when they brought us in and instead of interviewing us singly, like the, the select committee did, they brought the three of us in myself, Jack Silva sure. and, and Oz, because we had since we, 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 we had actually put our papers in, we were, we were out and the one that actually heard the stand down order, Tig, he was mm. not done with the agency yet. And they made him testify with the GRS staff team leader. And I'll be quite honest with you, that intimidated the hell. In fact, I remember when he came out and after he finally left the agency, we didn't know how to act. And he was very, he was very intimidated. And he, he's not, he takes a big Marine. He's going to tell you, wasn't <laughs> Yeah, he was. He was. Yeah, yeah. To, to, to answer those questions, because, and at that time too, uh, you know, and you mentioned Mark Zaid. I, I do like, I did think Mark represented us pretty well, but that first one, I wish he would have given us more input of how to, because we didn't know what we could say. Or we would just let the agency, as far as we know, we say yeah, yeah. The, the, the shitter's blue in Kabul and we're going to jail. Yeah, because we don't know. <laughs> but I, I, I do think that was an intimidation tactic by by not allowing, first of us, we as a group, we did it, which was I don't think was correct, but also putting TIG to interview with the GRS staffer when TIG is still part of GRS, even though he's a contractor, 
So he let the JIRA staffer, which I can't say his name and I don't care for him, but um, answer all the questions, which led us down that road of, of honestly, were they getting the right information or were they just getting what they wanted to hear? And um, I, 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 I know you came on after that, and that's the reason the select committee came in effect is because of that. But did you see other intimidation or some political tactics when you're doing the interviewing or watching the interviews of 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 this the line of questioning? I, I mean, I just behind the scenes, um, did they really want to get to the bottom of it, or was okay? Let's see if we can steer them this way so we can avoid this. Uh, we can get to C with avoiding A. Uh, does that make sense? I, maybe I'm going all over the place with this, but does that? No, it's certainly. So if you're working for an agency and then you're called to, you know, to testify in Congress about that agency and you're still employed that agency, what's the natural tendency? Well, I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to lose my job. I'm not going to be a whistleblower. And they can say they can make all the promises they want in the world. But, um, you know, retaliation does occur. And so there's certainly that. And then in terms of the 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 questions, it was really left up to the individuals to ask the questions. And so the quality of questions is only good is the individual asking them. Makes sense. No, that, uh-huh. that makes that makes perfect sense. Yeah. No, I you know, I don't want to be cutting you off because yeah, uh-huh. you know, you, no, you I mean you you were the guy who was there, so you have plenty of more questions than myself. But I do know, you know, for you and getting into the book itself of of uh the, the problems with the investigation, as you kind of allude to, is that this was just all about going after Hillary Clinton. And a lot of our audience is not going to want to hear that because of the fact that I think our audience is fixated on that. It was what the media fixated on, as opposed to what your interest is and what Sarah's is, is getting to the bottom of who attacked Chris and the other guys and why it went down and why the response was so poor. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. So I'm not either pro Clinton or anti Clinton. She was just another individual that I want to investigate. Um, and I was actually working on the talking points that very much um, deal with Clinton. And we can get into that with Jake Sullivan if we want. Um, and I was basically told, and this is in my lawsuit, this is public information, that basically stand down on the talking point investigation. Um, and, uh, the staff director said only right-wing nut jobs um, care about the talking points. And what he was talking about was, was Jim Jordan when it comes to that. And so in my book, I actually investigate who actually was worried about the talking points in terms of the politicians. And I find that Jordan and Pompeo and even Gowdy were truly concerned about the, the talking points. But that's just an example of, um, of one of the issues that would have affected Clinton that wasn't investigated. Was investigated or was investigated. What I got was yeah. investigated extremely poorly. Is what Exactly. It really, it yeah, really, exactly. Really. And that's and so I know the investigators that were involved with that, they took over after I was I was gone. And they truly wanted to look into that. And that's why Jordan and Pompeo have their own appendix to the report, because they truly want to look into it themselves. But it was hamstrung because of this, as I said, this, this fracture between Boehner and, and Jordan. Uh, uh, and I don't know why, like, why there was anyone would care about the, the why somebody would go out of the way to have the talking points drop, to be honest with you, because I think it is an important topic. Well, it is. I mean, let's let's get into that, because I, I do remember that, too. And I remember the Rhodes brothers and they're they're <laughs> they're influencing for those. And, and getting that you can tell people they may have forgotten who who uh, was it Ben Rhodes and, uh, nah. and his brother, you know, damn, talk about a conflict of interest. Holy shit. Um, oh, yeah. David and, Rhodes. And, David. Rhodes. But yeah, I, I, I think people would love to hear that as well and i'd like to hear more about it because that that's huge it, you're, you're 
what I saw is, is so much fabricating this story, fabricating lies so people won't be implicated, in my opinion, fabricating or making something up so the truth doesn't get out there. And that wasn't mm -hmm. that wasn't hammered. I, and I, it was like a softball. And and the Congress, the people in your, your, the committee didn't hammer. Why? Why did you do it? Why did you make this up? Why did you say it was this? OK, you gave us an answer. But what was the reason why? Were you trying to save face? Were you trying to help Obama out? Were you trying to help uh, Clinton out? Were you were, uh, what what was the reason behind fabrication of, of this this video? And and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in getting into that because yeah, I, that, that was what originally interested me, honestly, in this interview is I think a tweet from you that were like from where you said in this book, I'm going to get into why a YouTube video was blamed. And that really is one of the. The, yeah. the big puzzle pieces, I think, for us, because I remember at the time, I mean, I was working in radio and I remember seeing the video and it was like a cheaply put together piece of crap video. <laughs> it, was it wasn't a, the reason for this attack. Yeah. It didn't have millions of hits. It wasn't some, you know, so yeah, love uh, not to interrupt Chris here, but yeah. Love no, no. Yeah. Go, Brad. I'll, I'll shut. I'll shut up for five minutes. I'll, <laughs> I'll shut up. Go ahead, bro. No, so yeah, this is yeah, really interesting. So I've talked to Ethan Turin, who was actually in Leaving the Night of the Tax, and he also reached the Which, same. Yeah, we have his book here because we got sent. Yeah, Ethan Turin's ah. book. He wanted to come on, but I, I figured, you know, I, I, well, tell, honestly... tell, hey, tell Ethan though, hiding in the Tabesti Hotel doesn't count as being on site. I just want to let him know <laughs> that. Okay, you can tell, or I'll tell him that well, myself if I ever see him. But but go, but go ahead, man. Go, go um, ahead. Yeah. So the talking points is is, is fascinating to me. So there's this whole. Let's you know where does CIA get involved? Where does Hipsy get involved with asking for the talking Hipsy, points? Yeah. And all that according, you know, what I found is a moot point. These talking points, blaming it on the video, were written at 9:32 p.m. on the night of the attack. So you guys haven't even come under mortar attack yet, and they've already wow. blamed it on the video. <laughs> so they're already they're already sculpting a narrative before i forgot about that in the book yeah i remember reading that jesus yeah i forgot um, about that and that is a result of that 7 30 p.m movie our meeting where, where clinton's in charge so five of the 10 action items after the meeting are blame it on the video but what do we do about you know pastor jones and all this type of stuff and that's because as i talk about in my book this group think mentality takes place within the 7 30 meeting mm -hmm. of it's the the video so now ben rose i don't know his role in that meeting i know he was chomping at the bit very likely because here's an out for obama this is not a failure yeah. of the u.s and in the, in the gwap campaign this is simply about a mob that's you know run amok because of this anti-islamic video and so this is where in my opinion after the 7 30 meeting this is where it becomes very much a partisan issue for the obama administration they were facing an attack from mitt romney at the time romney sends out his his tweet or whatever he sent out blaming the Obama administration. And so Ben Rhodes, my research, Jake Sullivan writes the talking points, blaming it on the video. Um, he bounces ideas off of Victoria Newland, bounces ideas off of Ben Rhodes in a phone call, but he writes them. Um, ben Rhodes denied writing those initial talking points. That's going to be Clinton's 10.08 PM statement that night, blaming it on the video. Yeah. Ben Rhodes is then going to take that and he is going to plagiarize it. And it is going to be handed out as talking points to the rest of the administration, including Susan Rice, for when she goes on the Sunday talk shows. And so the point is, it didn't matter what intelligence was coming in, what intelligence wasn't coming in. At 9.32 p.m. on the night of the attacks, the Obama administration had made the decision to blame it on a video. And they stuck with that narrative. And this is where Ethan Churn and I get into a disagreement. I say that they had to stop when Matt Olson from the, from the NCTC testified in front of Congress on September 19th. 
he wasn't on board with all this partisanship. So he said, we knew from the start it was a terrorist attack. And at that point, I argue that Obama administration was forced to turn away from that narrative. Ethan Churn says, no, they continued that narrative um, a lot further. And what's interesting is Jake Sullivan, when he testified in front of the Benghazi committee, actually said, I think it was 2015 was his testimony, actually said, I still to this day believe it was the, the video had a part to play in this. And we know it had absolutely nothing, wow. to, nothing to, do to do with the attack. So As Sarah Adams found and Ethan Churn found, this was a very well-organized, um, you know, full-blown assault. I, I know Sarah Adams says this was Zahari um, ordered. And then Ethan says this was uh, an Al-Qaeda group in Libya, the Libya Islamic Fighting Group, LIFG. I I want to ask one, because I know Chris has something else to ask, but, I, but before no. I forget, and while we're on this topic, I want to ask it, because I asked this to Sarah. She didn't have an answer, and I've never heard an answer. Um, our, the guy who produced that video was later, mm. I believe, in prison for tax fraud, right? Yes. From your expert opinion, I would say, was that politically motivated, or was he really committing tax fraud? So my, I'm speculating here. Um, I can just say it wasn't, I thought it was going to be part of the investigation of why was this guy prosecuted? No, it wasn't. There was no impetus to actually investigate this issue. Um, so I would speculate and say, you know, the, the raised nail gets hammered. So this guy popped up and he was easy to um, nail in terms of prosecution. So, okay, we got the guy that made the Islamic, anti-Islamic video and we've, we've taken care of him. And now we're cutting. So, and to me, if, if they did that, you know what it is beyond just Benghazi? It's an attack on free speech. It's saying, if you make a video insulting Islam, Islam you know, insulting anything that, that we deem you can't insult, uh, we're going to lay the hammer of the federal government on you and we're going to shut you up. Yeah, it's certainly bad optics. So if it's not related to this anti-Islamic video, like why all of a sudden does the guy get, investigated for tax fraud or whatever the the allegation was it's certainly bad optics and we're certainly going through this now with some of the issues we're facing with the, the mishandling classified and all that well it's, it's, yeah, that's the thing is if I, I do think benghazi a lot of things that have gone on now if if they would have been remedied there if somebody would have been if somebody would have been punished then i even said this to trey i i did i i said it actually during my testimony with it was trey and there was adam schiff mm -hmm. Don't get me started with him, Adam. Um, Elijah Cummings, who actually treated me very, very well. I, I'm very respectful to me. I, and, and Congresswoman Duckworth, who was very respectful. But, you know, she's a Blackhawk pilot. She, she used to fly as Rangers at Ranger School, so that she was very respectful. Um, but I do remember, you know, talking to him and said, if you would just make an example out of one of these, one of these, one of these polit one of these people that were involved, whether it was Clinton, whether it was Undersecretary Kennedy, whether even Obama. I, I know people. I, I still have a hard time with the commander in chief not spot checking and figure and continually. He was on on point with the with the Osama bin Laden raid. You got mm -hmm. an ambassador Stevens. She should be on point with this too. Not saying do everything you can then go to bed or whatever the fuck he did. But I was like, if you just make an example of one, you're going to stop a lot of this crap that's going to go on that we're seeing now. Which is which is politicians just literally getting away with manslaughter in the very least but getting away with a lot of things I, 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 that they shouldn't be getting away with and they didn't and uh why <laughs> why why? No, why that's yeah that's the one the question so i i started my book and i i ended my book with why don't these people just take responsibility and let's figure this out on why this happened who you know organized this attack why you know it was blamed on a video all the stuff why you know was con plan 300 um yep, wrong sure, sure. without having gone through the, the planning process Etc. Well, let's get to the bottom of this. Um, um, I, I end with the JFK Bay of Pigs example, 
where JFK said, remember, look, yeah. it was a disaster. I'm responsible. I'm the president. It was my fault. That I love that. And that's how, and, I, I, whether you like JFK or not, that's respect. That's responsible leadership. That's ownership. And I, 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 I love that you put that in the book because you're spot on and his numbers dipped, but he paid the price for that. But he took fucking responsibility for it. And absolutely. And, and, and so that's why, yeah, we as a country now are still fractured because of this. If you ask, well, actually, if you ask anybody, did they properly investigate? They'd probably say no. But we as a country are completely fractured over Benghazi. You know, at, at yeah. cocktail parties, you can't bring up Benghazi because <laughs> somebody's going to say, oh, that's where the Republicans were trying to get clipped. Oh, that's where yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, I mean, even when I just tell people, right, I don't go to cocktail parties. Right? <laughs> if, I'm at, if I'm at a show I mean, or something and I'm, people ask like, hey, what do you do? What's your podcast about? And I just bring up Benghazi, Chris Peranto, people are going to have opinions Absolutely. And a lot of those opinions are rooted in like absolutely nothing. nothing it's yet. just rooted in if they watch CNN, Benghazi was a big Republican conspiracy theory. And if they watch Fox News, fuck Hillary Clinton. You know what I mean? And yeah. I just feel like there's a lot more to this story than the talking points that we were all fed. And, and, and Brad, you know what we haven't got into and what I really because they've gotten off scot-free, too, is all those generals involved. Carter, Carter Ham, um, the AFRICOM general, you're a, what the, they saw, I know, I, I, again, I, I think they think very little of us people that were on the ground and, and the people that we've known and worked with, we know people that were sitting in those command centers. We know the people that were flying this art. We know the guys that were on the ground that were waiting to come get us that feel I, I can't tell you how I've had one Marine buddy of mine crying to me. That was one of those fast company guys that just, we're, we were trying, we were sitting there for two hours. Nobody's telling us anything. Why are none of the generals, why were not, they, none of them got any sort of reprimand at all. And, and if, it, if hey, General Ham could have said, no, screw you, death. You know, I'll take the, I'll take the hit, Panetta, send guys. He's got his Ranger tab. You know better than that. Never leave a fallen comment. So, so, but none of them, no, none of them were ever investigated. Nothing came of it. And if it did, maybe I missed it in the book. I, I didn't see that any of the generals took any responsibility for it and none of them were reprimanded for it as well. In fact, I, I didn't, I didn't, I tell them, I, I, I'm, I'm still at a loss. What, the, what the fuck? Why? What, what happened? Um, no, that's a really good point. So that's kind of, we can, you know, go down the rabbit hole here. Off the end. <laughs> Why aren't senior leaders held accountable anymore? Um, I think if you were at Google, you know, when's the last like three or four star that was fired or, you know, last yeah. secretary of defense that was fired. It just doesn't happen. I mean, it certainly wasn't the case in Benghazi. So, okay. Panetta makes this decision. It's hostage rescue. He's wrong. But as a commander, um, him and Dempsey and Ham had assumed the risk if they're wrong. And so why weren't they held accountable for that, that wrong decision? But, um, they, but they're just uh, after that too, though, like you said, about the course of action, you could, you would just fire. Hey, we're wrong absolutely. here. We still are in motion. This game is still going on, but they didn't do anything. They just stopped. I mean, is that, or did I miss something? Or were they trying to do something else and they didn't get to it? I just saw it just kind of stopped. No, so these guys, they, they issue Complan 300, they issue the orders, and these guys would testify they went home and went to bed um, because they thought the attack was over. Um, and then they, you know, they wake up, all of them wake up very early in the morning and report back in, uh-oh, we have the second uh -oh. attack. Oh, our assumption was wrong. This is not a hostage rescue. Bad things have happened. It takes them actually 23 hours to get yeah, uh, military assets into, into Libya. Um, and so and what it comes down to is who's going to hold these guys responsible? Well, at this level, it's going to have to be the president. He's going to have to hold these guys responsible for having, having screwed up.
And because of the talking points and all that going down, there's just, there's no way they've, they put themselves in a corner. They can't get out of now. So now, so now it would be up to Trey Gowdy to what it's not up to Trey. Is it up to Trey or is it up to the attorney general that sessions at the time to actually bring charges and not that I'm not saying it's not, I've, I've get that's not going to happen. And I'm not upset about that shit happen. You know, sometimes things just, doesn't work out the way you want it to. And that's okay. It's, it's just one of those things. God, that's when Christianity comes in and then <laughs> you, you believe in God and you just be patient, but the committee in itself could never have brought, and help me if I'm wrong, could never have brought anybody to really justice. It could just have no, gotten a report. Is that right? No, that's exactly right. So we actually saw this in January 6th committee. The best, only thing Congress can do is issue a report and refer charges to the um, department of justice. Okay. But it's an entirely an executive branch decision. I guess Congress could technically impeach. Well, actually, they technically they can impeach a federal official if they want to. Uh, it's not done now. They're talking about doing it with a DHS secretary. But with these congressional investigations, they don't have the authority to you know bring criminal charges or charges against anyone. Best they can do is issue the report, refer it to the Department of Justice, and then of course, it um, at the time it would have been a. Uh, administration issue um, thank because i get in fights with people on that too because they want why didn't you why didn't nothing happen well they they did the report that that's all they could do and and they're Absolutely. yelling at they're yelling at me like I'm supposed <laughs> to, what do you so but I, I wanted to make sure i was clear on that because that's what i would tell people and i wasn't you know i'm, I'm still a dumb ranger i i wasn't too sure but i'm glad you okay good you reaffirmed what i was what i was thinking uh um we didn't talk about it but let's go back to it a little bit um because you did get into the book and I, i'm i'm glad you did because two names that are that are very responsible in my opinion not for what happened but prior to were charlene lamb and patrick kennedy the undersecretary mm. and who really were the ones and i patrick kennedy was not a buddy of ours when i was in iraq either in 0405 he hated cop he didn't like us contract i don't know if he hated us but he didn't like us very well <laughs> um their role in the leading up to the attack with the denial with eric nordstrom asking for more weapons with greg hicks even say hey we need more security and that's that was never really delved into either was it as far as why did you guys deny it? i know it looked like a bigger signature but was that the reason or was it just money was it you know uh, 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 t- t- talk to me man I, I i'm i'm at a loss of what the fuck and why they were never held more responsible because they i think they were just as responsible as if you want to go after clinton well you got to go after those two as well and, and and a lot of those undersecretaries yeah so exactly that's exactly right. so charlene lamb she testified i believe to the fact that money was never an issue um so then why are all these requests being denied yeah um and as far as I can tell, and I agree, this wasn't as investigated as well as it should have been. Um, it was, well, everything's fine. Uh, we've had these national elections in July. We're progressing towards democracy and we're, we're good to go um, because nothing's happened. So therefore nothing's going to happen in the future. And that, of course, turned out to be a really bad assumption. Um, <laughs> but that's where I kind of go back to in my book. I talk about, OK, who was actually in charge of the Libyan policy? And what I discovered, and Ethan Chern writes a lot more about this than I do, is that Obama didn't want to get involved in Libya. Um, he was dragged into Libya by Clinton, Samantha Powers, and Susan Rice. He's the um, commander in chief. You're the fucking boss, dude. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're the boss. So tell him, tell him no. I'm, <laughs> hey, I'm in charge. And so we know, we know after the, the Benghazi attack, he takes literally foreign policy back from Clinton, and he basically shuts down U.S. operations in Libya as a result of the attack. Um, but 
from the time going after Gaddafi with the, the NATO mission up until the time of the attacks. This was Clinton's ballgame as best as I could determine. Um, but this is where I talked about, well, they should have brought in Ethan Churn and asked who are the U.S. players. They should have brought in the National Security Council staffer, Benjamin Fishman, who know all the players involved, say, who's actually making policies here? And then you, you build your case up from the bottom. Uh, what they did is you have people like, you know, Pete Roscom, who during the hearing says, hey, Clinton, you were in charge of foreign policy in Libya, weren't you? And then she, of course, denies it and says, no, it was Obama. Well, that's not the way, in my opinion, you conduct an investigation. Um, why were we there in the first place? Who was in charge? Why was security so lax? Um, One of those interesting things, too, because it's like I remember when Obama ran in 08. And if you look at what he ran on, on foreign policy, I remember mm -hmm. like the big things he was talking about it was, was getting rid of nuclear weapons and not being the policeman of the world. And that's yeah. definitely not how he ran things. No, that's exactly right. So I read somewhere where his idol was uh, Brent Scrocroft. Um, he did not Clinton or Obama didn't believe in nation building unless it was a multilateral effort. Um, so he didn't want to have all these um, overseas wars that we were involved. He voted against the Iraq war, et cetera, because he didn't want to get involved in nation building. But um, we were, but we did more under him. I, I, I spent a lot of my time. I was in Afghanistan. I was in Iraq. I was in part of Syria. I was in Libya. I went to Sanaa. We all know a lot of that. I went, me and Boone and Jack were in Sanaa when that, mm. that quagmire fucking happened. So he didn't <laughs> want to, he didn't want to do all this stuff as, or at least what he says. But we were doing it, so where's the truth in that too? But I, I, I don't. I we're getting kind of off subject, but yeah. that's my thing. I, I've, I heard that as well. I'm like, well, bullshit, because I was on the <laughs> ground in all these places, and we were. So, what was the truth in well, that? Help me out, man. Where, that's where. So, the Arab Spring, from what I understand, kind of changes the mentality within the, the Obama administration and okay. and Clinton. Um, she had been um, pounded by Obama in 2008 for having voted for the Iraq War, and so. Clinton, I think, and once again, we don't we don't know this is speculation as best as I can tell, was telling Obama, let me handle it with my smart power doctrine. And we're going to use diplomacy as the instrument of national power in these countries with the Arab Spring. We can do all these democratic transitions. We can have a small footprint, you know, just send our diplomats out there with with no security. And that's why, you know, such things as having a military presence in Libya was a was a non-starter. Um, was because Obama certainly didn't want it there. And Clinton wanted to prove as Secretary of State that diplomacy was the was the way to go. Well, and I, I it's, knew that it's was, also was part of the mission. Yeah, I yeah. I, I was just going to say. I mean, to, to Chris's question, right? It's like that old thing of of the puppet masters behind the scenes, and that you could kind of run a campaign on whatever you want, but then when you become president. Yeah you're under the authority of and it would be conspiracy but like this shadow government i, I remember like the bill hicks comedy bit where he talks about like once yes. the president is put in office they show him a certain angle of the kennedy assassination and they're like any questions like you're gonna listen to what we tell you to do so i mean is there any truth to that i don't know but it is always interesting when you see these i mean George Bush too. George Bush ran, George W. Bush ran on a very humble, like non-interventionist yeah. foreign policy. 9-11 happens, that goes out the window. Everything Obama ran on, it goes out the window. And I do think like uh, America to some extent will always be the world police, even if yeah. you have uh, a politician run on yeah. that we need to change that. I, I just don't see a world where we're not, I mean, currently, right? The trillions of dollars being sent to Ukraine, whether you're yeah. pro or con, I mean, it definitely plays into us being the world police. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're the hegemon. We're the world's superpower. So just by default, we're going to have to be the world's police. Um, just by the, you know, the, the role that we, we play, we want to 
you know, make sure that we have um, the rules in the international system set according to way that serve our interests. So kind of by default, default work. I just, you know, I didn't, I, I, I'm, I'm very blessed that I got to be on the ground for a lot of that. I, we, when we're working, we don't, I don't care about politics. I, I really don't give two sure. shits. I, I don't when we're out there working. And honestly, I, it's just one of those things. It's why we, we did. And I've said this before, you know, when we, when we did go in and we did help with the movie, we did put that, that verse in there that Roan and Jack talking where he says, you know, when I did this, basically talking to us, we started going to Iraq. We did this for something bigger because we did yeah. think we were doing it for something bigger. We also learned then that, you know, Iraq, I'm not sure. Now, I, I didn't agree with Bush on that one now either. But at least at that time <laughs> when we're young, we're doing you're doing something bigger. But by the time we got to Libya and we all were like this, that that's something bigger. Yeah, we certainly, had, we certainly had mission creep after 9-11. So 9-11, it was we're going to get the terrorists. We're going to kill the terrorists. Yeah. And then that after tour of war, that transitions into okay, we got to do nation building. Yeah, now we oh, got right. another 20 years and a trillion dollars, you know, working on a nation building. And like, okay, Saddam Hussein might have WMDs, we got to go topple him, but we can't just topple him, we got to actually try to construct it. I said, yeah, he Bush just went in there because Saddam tried to kill his dad. That's my opinion. <laughs> that was just a bill. It's like, you motherfucker, you tried to kill my dad. I'm like, that's my opinion. That's why we would, why we would in there. I know. I can't, that's just speculation again. If we're going to use that word. <laughs> But, uh, but you know, but I, I, I just it, it. One thing is that I learned I, nation building, overthrowing dictators. And you can give me your opinion on this too. But dictators are dictators for a reason. And sometimes the devil you know is better than the devil you do. And there's a reason they're dictators. And there's a reason they are iron foot. And I know Gaddafi didn't tolerate terrorists in Libya. There's more. There's less terrorists. Wait, there were no terrorists in Libya when Gaddafi was in charge. Granted, <laughs> yeah, he's an evil son of a bitch, but do you think they're happier now than they were then? Um, and same with Syria. I, and I, I, you know, we're getting off subject of the book, but you've been in it. You've seen it. You've seen Iraq. You've seen Afghanistan's a different animal. Uh, you know, they're going to fight for, that's just what they do. That's there. And they're good at it. That's, that's their lifestyle. Um, and I love Afghanistan. It's most, one of the most beautiful countries in the world, but uh, do you think, and I don't, I, I don't believe in going and overthrowing dictators. I don't, I, I, I think, and, and I've, that was something that changed that I believed in that it was necessary when I first started, but I learned over the years that no, actually we make these countries worse by doing that. And, but I don't know, I'd like your opinion on that. I know it's not on the book, but I, I, I just like to hear what you think about it. Well, yeah, I mean, we have limited capabilities, limited resources. We can't go around changing all the dictatorships in the world. Um, and as we learned in Iraq and Afghanistan, that's going to take us 20 years. Do we want to dedicate the, the, the time and the, the interest to actually doing that? Um, my opinion after this is that if you ask Biden, if you ask Trump, any president after those, they're going to say, hell no. We're out of the nation building exercise for a long time. We learned our lesson. And unless somebody poses a direct, you know, national direct. security threat yeah, sure. to us, we're not going to get involved in all these, these countries. Um, it's just not worth the, the, the resources. And it's and to me, the, the end doesn't justify the means because we haven't made these places better. Yeah. We haven't. It's it, just look at it. I, maybe we'll get. I'm sure somebody will be pissed off. Or, and who gives? I don't give a shit. I piss a lot of people off. But but that, I, you know what? I mean, that's I just, the I just beauty don't of doing the podcast. It's the beauty of doing the podcast, though, right? Because we, when we have Hamidi Jassimon, right, he's totally different perspective than what we're saying. Because his feeling yeah. is, if you didn't go into Iraq, I'd probably be dead right now. So I just I think it's great that we have people on yeah. who've who've been there and done it. 
and we're there, there's no it's not mathematics mm-hmm. there's no right or wrong answer yeah, but yeah. i do know this from all my years of interviewing guys like when you see guys come back like mike schlitz right or guys who don't come back at all like glenn and ty and you see politicians not held accountable i i get it it's like what was the purpose of this and what yeah. was this sacrifice for and i think like through all these interviews like you do learn and from doing this podcast, how we saw Afghanistan turn out. It's it's hard to say this was justified. We did the right thing. No, yeah, it is an open-ended question. Um, we can all play armchair quarterback on whether or not it was worth it. Um, I think we look at Afghanistan now. Is it better now than it was in 2001? I think the argument can be no. It's not right. any better. The Taliban are back in charge. Um, it is better in the sense that, yeah, there's no Al-Qaeda safe haven. You know, there's no Osama bin Laden that's plotting to build up buildings in the u.s anymore but you know is it better did, I, did our time resources actually make things into a stable democracy there you're you're uh you know you're, you do some now you're assistant professor at georgetown or do you how do you oh no i'm a assistant professor for the military actually for the for the, for the military what yeah. are what are the but young... you were you were at georgetown correct because i i said yeah. that in the intro that's where I, okay that's where i studied yeah and it's just gotcha. these are my own personal views not those of the government <laughs> 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 the, um you know you're around kids you're around 20 somethings or 30 somethings correct you're you're around them what are their what are their views on things like this now i, I mean what are what are they saying what are, are what's the i've I, the morale here i know there's kids with morales that's in the toilet right now but um what do you see and how do they view, how do they view you know just even serving and going in going into countries now on behest of of you know who knows if the government has their back anymore or it's is helping them i don't think they do for the most part but you're still in it so you tell me um well i think it's kind of like um your experience like you're you're loyal to the country you're going to do as ordered um yeah. there's certain opinions all over the place on what we should be doing or shouldn't be doing uh, but people want, you know, once you sign the dotted line that you're yeah. a commissioned officer or whatever, you, you're going to serve and you're going to do so, so willingly. Um, yeah. With that said, though, I think, you know, we as a country, as I've, I've said, are hopefully out of this nation building um, business. I, I think I, mean, I think you said it. you hit the nail on the head, too. I'm the same way. Yeah. If we're, there's a direct threat, yeah, go in there, kick the shit out of them, leave, get out. If you attack us, we attack you, get the hell out. I, I did, I did like the old Ronald Reagan view of, of, of how he handled Gaddafi. Actually, bomb the shit out of him, leave him alone. Hey, don't, don't touch us anymore, yeah. and leave. And that's how you should do it. But I, I'm in agreement with you. Nation building, and I'll, it doesn't work. And and you know, getting back to the book and getting back to to uh, your 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 talk with uh, your investigation and with the select committee. Um, I, I do think you did hit the nail on the head. It's just Clinton. Yes, Clinton should have been in Clinton was part of it, but she wasn't the only part. And that's when it became political because we didn't want her to be elected or the committee, the Republicans didn't want her to be elected. That's a Freudian slip there, but I didn't want her to be elected. So I'll be honest. I didn't. But, uh, but you know, I, that now has led to precedence where we get we is that always going to end? I, it, in my opinion, from what you read, what you wrote, and what I've seen, it now is always going to be hyper focused. We're never going to yeah. be able to branch out and get everybody involved. It's going to be this one, and they're going to get it wrong. Uh, they being the they being the investigators are going to get it wrong because they're hyper focused on one fucking thing. Absolutely. So that's yeah. Politicians they want a head on the platter, and they want to be the person that brought the that head. Brought on the the- and so <laughs> when Roskin's asking Clinton these questions, you're in charge of foreign policy, right? 
he's hoping she says, yep, and it's all my fault because then he gets his name in the news as the guy that brought down Clinton. And so you're doing these windmill swings trying to take out the, the politician. Yeah. And so that's why January 6th committee, it focuses on just on Trump. Um, you know, Benzaghi committee focuses on Clinton. And so my whole point is just run an effective investigation, um, asking Ben Fishman, who'd you coordinate U.S. foreign policy with in Libya, name some people. And he actually did name people. He volunteered names. You go to the next person on the line. Okay. Who'd you report to? And you work your way up that way. And in my opinion, if we, you know, any political investigation, if it's, if it's patient, if it's run simply like in a, a normal investigation, it's going to be much more um, closer to getting the truth. Yeah, it it sucks, but it's just like the two-party system, right? It's almost designed this way. It's designed to keep us fighting with each other. It's designed that you have to be fighting for one team or the other team instead of just fighting for the truth. And I don't care what comes out. We just need to get to the bottom of stuff. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think that's one of the major flaws in our government. And the founders warned against political um, affiliation and, and loyalty to parties over loyalty to the country and and that's the position we're in today is that people are 100 loyal to their party i mean i yeah. the district i'm in right i voted for george santos the guy who lied about everything <laughs> and if we didn't have the two-party system right the republicans would say this is like not an honorable guy let's get him out of here but i understand their argument is like we need the votes we can't have another democrat in there and democrats do the same shit so who cares but yeah. i mean in a more ideal system we wouldn't have this. And, 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 you know, I know I'm getting political by mentioning that, but I do think that that's the reason we have committees like this, where, as you said, it's just all about a political football. It's not about honoring the guys who died. It's not about investigating the stuff you have or Sarah Adams has. And uh, it's a shame. It's, a sh- you know, it's, it's just stuff to get clicks, stuff to make Congress people yeah. elected again and again. So that they could, and this would be another rabbit hole, but right, so they could engage in insider trading for a few more years, <laughs> as we talk about on the show all the time. And it's like, yeah, there's there's a lot of flaws in our government. I hate to say it. I mean, it is the greatest country in the world, but yeah, there are a hell of a lot of flaws. Yeah, Afghanistan withdrawal is a, a the latest example of this. So it wasn't investigated when the, the Democrats were in charge, and now that the Republicans are in charge. You know, I you know, rest assured it's going to be investigated. There's going to be hearings on it. But what's that mean? That means already half the country is going to tune out those hearings and just say, oh, that's a partisan witch hunt going after going after Biden. They're so are we actually going to get any closer to the truth on what happened there? Um, no, no. No. And will they, they by, from reading and from Benghazi, are they going to go after anybody within DOD or the generals that were involved that actually because it is a military drawdown? No, it's probably not going to happen. It, I, I mean, I hope it. But no, from experience, it's, it's not. And. That's what's, yeah. and I, I I love statistics. I When I got my graduate degree, that was my favorite subject was research methods. And crazy, mm. I know, and, and statistics. So I do like all that. You put the statistics, the probabilities, validity, um, sample <laughs> size and all that. But um, looking at that, looking at the statistics, you know, if, and what, how you broke it down, they would have got the answers. They being the select committee would have got the answers they were looking for if they would have done that bottom-up method. If they would have done the, pro- the statistic. In fact, they probably would have uncovered even more. I, I think that the rabbit hole would even open more if they would have done that bottom and doing just what you said. And, and the statistics, I agree. Not always always degree, degree of statistics based on sample sizes and all that other stuff that goes on there. But um, 
in this case, I think it would have. And, and reading your book actually shows that. I, I really, I, I believe it does. Oh. Oh, yeah, I appreciate that. And so I actually reassembled their information from their transcripts and found out basically Clinton was in charge of um, Libyan foreign policy. Jake Sullivan wrote the talking points. Military didn't follow its own doctrine. And I found that from their information. And so if they would have been conducting this, you know, thorough investigation the entire time, you know, who knows what could have happened. We would have known for absolutely sure, you know, who was making the decisions to keep the, the mission compound there um, when there's so yeah. many security threats. Did Clinton truly know about it or not know about it? And that was, yeah. that's where, yeah, you know, and that's where just to, I guess I, I, at this point, at this point, what should I say? It I'm not going to fucking say it. No, I'm not going to say it. No, I'm not going to But um, bro, I the only thing. Okay, then this is and we're getting close to the hour. The only thing that I didn't agree with in the book. The only thing is when okay. I read the first chapter. It's when you read, I read the first chapter, and you said that we were stopped by a roadblock. Ah. I was oh. like, that motherfucker is AK 47 fire and RPGs and, and 50 cal and disc. Does that mean road? So I just, why did you put, did we were getting, so, we were getting a fire? Why was it? And did somebody say that in report that we were stopped by a roadblock and who, and if it was, who did it? Because I'm going to go, I'm going to go find it. I'm so gonna I'm going to look up my, my the specific page reference. So um, it's almost like we coordinated this. So that chapter you're referring to, is I used only congressional documents to talk about what Congress said about uh, that's, that's I know I'm 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 busting your balls. That's what I'm like <laughs> next. Who which who said who said that? I, I want to find out who said that was. Well, I but I I, I remember getting questioned about that, and and I do remember uh, I did on the in the in the or would I do I need to come, get with you offline and find out who's and I won't come for you I'm just kidding all right whoever <laughs> I'm kidding I like my life here I'm relaxed I'm Clint Eastwood like an unforgiven I just want to farm and be left alone but it you know I, and I, I I that's one thing about politicians that I, that I don't think they realize even something like that it, it yeah. hurt. It hurts. It fucking. It it not just pisses me off. It's it it hurts. Like you're you're downplaying this. So we're getting shot at. We're throwing two or three rounds down range. There's rounds snapping by my head. There's rounds that are hitting behind me on this block wall, and you're calling it a roadblock. And that's the problem with DC, is yeah, that yeah. is that they just feel that it, it's no big deal. I'm watching it on this drone feed. Well, I watched Chapman. You know, I, I watched uh, if you watch Robert Ridge and you watch the. Uh, the CCT that uh, um, Chapman was his name that got the Medal of Honor. Oh yeah does, yeah. does it look like much? That, no, it looks like a bunch of dots moving around. And if you don't know what's going on, you're like, well, what's the big deal? Well, the dude was knifing people, fighting for his life and saving. You can't relate, and, and don't yeah. ever downplay what was going on on the ground by a drone feed or by what somebody's telling you and, and then calling you. And I, I know I, I, I'm like, I said, I'm busting your balls. I know you just, <laughs> I, I, I read, I read, the, I read it. I got it, but it, it's just, it's, it's one of those things where it, it still does hurt, you know, and it, no, it's, certainly, like, yeah. and it, it, you know, and how can anyone call this, you know, a protest going awry? And that's when you're having a very sophisticated attack, you know, those guys will line up with mortars on you. Like, you know, Oh, they were spot on. Yeah. And so, oh, yeah, this is just a mob that got riled up. Um, to me, it just it blows my mind that the, the administration went with the narrative for that long. Um, you know, just talking to you guys, like, no, this was not, you know, mob out in front of the gates. Mob out, of course. 
Yeah. Well, you know, I, 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 I think people will learn a lot from the book. I do. Yeah. And, and, um, I, I do. I, I think military personnel reading the book will understand, um, especially the COAs, man, the, the, and, and the troop leading procedures that you broke down in there, which are standard stuff that they didn't follow. And, and that to me is a cardinal sin right there. I, Cause that you always follow your, t- you always follow, follow your, your TOPs. And that's how yeah, you yeah, get yeah. that. That's how you yeah. get out of situation. And you can frag it. You can adjust off it, but you always follow those and going into a, a combat situation with one set mind. And this is the way we're going to do it. That's that is right there. That is going to be a disaster. And absolutely. Yeah. We teach, you got to have iterative as you get new information and you change the plan. That's and it. unfortunately that did not happen. Um, which is why I think if, you know, you have the investigators, they would have just throw a JP five O down in front of Panetta. Um, why didn't you follow this? Um, or even explain to me what this is. And I'm, uh, my guess is you probably wouldn't get a, a good answer to that. Yeah. I, I want to make sure. I don't know what you were going to ask. Do you think just because it's because the Congress people don't know what one of those is? They don't, they have no idea what they are. Is that why they didn't ask? Because it was out of their wheelhouse. So I got to be careful. I don't want to, you know, name call anyone here, but I'll just don't, say you don't that. have to name call. Just say, just, just say <laughs> yeah. yes or no. The quality of the questions was dependent on the individual. And as I, as I make the case in my book, your party loyalty came first in terms of your, your place in the investigation and the questions you're allowed to ask. Um, subject matter experts, as I also claim in my book, um, were kind of set off to the side. And so I can, I can absolutely confirm, though, nothing was asked about JP50 or the joint planning process in any of the, in any of the interviews. Uh, yeah, that pisses me off. I, but I know I, I was already pissed off when I read the book. So that's a, not that the book, <laughs> I just like, well, Sons of bitches. That's such easy stuff. All right. Sorry. And I, I, I'm no, 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 it's, it's important to get to that because I, you know, and, and by the way, we'll, we'll say to the people, you know, before we wrap this up, pick up the book, because if you want to hear all the details of everything, you're not going to get it just from this one interview. There's a lot in here. There's a lot of stuff to get into that you cover, but I wanted to make sure I asked this because it's really the one positive. I know that this is like, this, this is a subject that enrages a lot of people. I see it in our comments when we talk about Benghazi. Mm-hmm. It's always going to enrage a lot of people, including Chris, of course, and including the guys who were there. But I think on a positive note, something that needs to be mentioned is just around the time you're releasing this book. Finally, 10 years later, Glenn Doherty, Ty Woods, ah. Sean Smith, and, uh, and Chris Stevens received the Congressional Gold Medal. Does this feel like some redemption in this story that we've been speaking about for the past decade. Absolutely. And I mean, it took way too long. Um, I actually looked into why didn't it happen sooner? And as the best I could get is it was bipartisan, certainly bipartisan and Pelosi when she was speaker simply didn't pass it for whatever reason. I'm not sure why. Um, but yeah, certainly good news. And it was on an overwhelmingly bipartisan basis. Yeah. That these yeah. guys were, were honored with this. And so that, that is a good news story. And so hopefully, you know, Benghazi, it's, it's going to be studied just like the sink of the Titanic, just like the Bay of Pigs, um, just like the Space Shuttle Challenger disaster, without emotion, without fear or favor of political party. You know, let's figure out what happened with this and, you know, why four Americans were, were, were killed as a result of, of this. I, I, I agree. And I do. I think it's going that way, too. I really yeah. do. And, and, you know, me, myself, I, I don't do the new... I, they always and hey, we were a part of that. We were part of that that right wing agenda. 
when we were, I ain't going to lie and say we weren't, I, you know, I, we were I, being pissed off and angry and wanted to blame somebody and not really knowing how to handle the situation. But I know myself, I can't speak for the other guys, but pulling myself out of it, you know, and I'm not affiliated with the party anymore. One of the reasons is because of, it's like, fuck both parties. I'm done with y'all both. Um, but you know, it, it's, 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 it was a learning experience for me, definitely on, on how to handle it. I, you know, I get angry talking to you, but when I get off here, I'm not going to be angry. I, I yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad I got the information. I'm glad I, the more I know, not that it's ever going to bring closure. It doesn't, it's just not, but, and that's okay. I think it was still one of the greatest nights of my life. I, I, I still am so honored that I got to serve that night, but it still helps me learn and know that, you know what, you know, maybe they'll never be brought or the, and we'll never see them in the gallows and nobody's going to be hanging. You know, we don't get that spectacle that everybody wants, but at least I know that, you know, that somebody was trying to hold somebody responsible and that there were mistakes made and here there were, and people are going to know that mistakes were made. And, you know, that's good enough. Honestly, that's good enough for me. And so I appreciate, you know, you digging. I do. I appreciate yeah. you, you putting this out and, and, and I appreciate you, breaking it down in a way that a military like myself can, I mean, really, I, I understood it made complete sense to me. I was like, I got this. Yeah. That's fucking <laughs> all sorts of, I get this. Um, and, and, um, you know what, you know, I, I, I you know, I, I, Trey and I, I'd say we were friends. He was probably the most friendly to me out of all the, uh, but so to hear that you two, you know, and I get it. I, I, I hate that he was stuck in a, whether he was stuck in a corner or whether he, he took on something that he shouldn't, or maybe that he just, didn't have the balls to push back and i don't problem saying that um it's still nice to hear that hey you know what you guys worked it out yeah yeah and i have nothing against break out and 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 that's that's cool because that's an example that's a good example of how to adult that we don't <laughs> we don't know how to do it yeah hopefully we'll have adults with future investigations. So, um, yeah brother I I, I I i i i hope so too but I, Ian off to tell me about it because I don't even have I don't even watch the news anymore. I have no idea what's going on in the world until Ian tells <laughs> me anymore. I'm kind of ignorance is truly bliss. But um, your future, but I know we got it. We're running long, but got this book's coming out. Um, a book will be out by the time this comes out. What are you doing? What are you going now? What's 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 the next step? So I will yeah be talking about this in, in various places. Um, I uh, hopefully I haven't talked to Sarah about this, but hopefully there's going to be a follow up book. Um, to this. So we're going to join forces. I'm going to join forces with some of the staffers, with a news correspondent, with, with Ethan Churin, and we're going to, you know, put all of our facts together and tell people honestly what happened with Benghazi attack. Right now we have Sarah Adams has her piece with Al-Qaeda. Um, sure. Ethan Churin has his piece with the history and how this actually dates back to the George W. Bush administration. I have my stuff. Um, so we're going to, you know, lay it all out for this is exactly what happened. In Libya. So that's going to be the next step is another book. Uh, that's, that's as long as it just keeps and, and it still honors the guys. If I can anything can ask from all three honors, honor the guys. And, you know, you're in Sarah's book to me, we're pretty apolitical. Tell Ethan, I know he, you can tell by the book he loves Hillary Clinton. We tell him to knock it off. Just be, just be right. Come on, man. You got to get information. And, and that's just for me reading because I, I did read it. You guys, honestly, it was here are the facts. This was we know she's not the complete person at fault, but she did have responsibility. So come on, Ethan, let's, let's get into that. And, I, and so if you can tell him that for me, I would really appreciate 
appreciate that. <laughs> no, absolutely. So he is very much on board with the why was it blamed on the video narrative. Um, good. So yeah. it's good. I'm, I'm I'm holding you accountable to keep him in line and, and just to, just <laughs> to make it just to and, but but um yeah God I, I again I I really appreciate you coming on and and talking about this and and um. And um, yeah, allow me to bust your balls a little bit, but that's what I did. Just, <laughs> I'm going to get you that footnote for the the roadblock. Yeah, dude. Oh, please. Yeah, please, uh, look. please do. I'd love to find <laughs> who that who said that. Who the congressman said it was a roadblock. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No more roadblocks. You, you know what I wanted to ask you though is is just uh, <laughs> in terms of people picking up the book because I know a lot of people are going to hear this. They're going to want to pick it up. Um, at least for now, like I just know you on Twitter and like the Amazon link, it doesn't go to it, at least for now, it wasn't going directly to the book or there were some pricing things. Is it when people hear this on Monday, will they be able to look up Brad Pudaliska fire alarm and it'll be available? Yeah. 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 So certainly the Kindle edition will be available and I'm told the okay. hard copy. Now with that said, this is a textbook and anyone that's been in college knows that textbooks are <laughs> badly, badly overpriced. So as a disclaimer, I have nothing to do with the price of this thing um okay because i did see it's it's about a hundred dollars right yeah which is yeah my which is the textbook market um because the way the model which is works, true i was saying the same thing i mean any of us who have gone to college and picked up a textbook yeah. that's not out of the ordinary it's no, a textbook that's, yeah, that's it's the not, expectation yeah. and, you know i remember back in the day i'm like spending 400 dollars in textbooks is ridiculous so i apologize i have nothing to do with that the kindle edition is a lot cheaper um and if people i can get people i think 25 percent off if they want to contact oh. me Awesome. Um, That's great. So I can get people a discount. But uh, yeah, I apologize for the, for the price. I promise the subsequent book that's going to be coming out will be much more reasonably priced. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, I could just tell you for me, I don't know about Chris, like, I, if part of it for me, I, I spend just like everybody way too much screen time. So I hate reading books on a screen. I like mm. having a hard guy. I like having my JT Patton whispers <laughs> of a gypsy, you know, soft cover. I just because we're constantly just texting. And if I'm looking at something on a screen, I'm gonna be distracted by a million other things. That's even why when I go to the gym, I'm one of the few people I have it in front of me. I, didn't <laughs> I still have the old school little iPod so that I'm not getting texts, so that I'm not because Chris and I are kind of similar in this sense. Like Chris and I are not on our phones 24-7 answering everybody immediately. And I kind of like that. I think I will get back to everybody within 24 hours or so. But yeah, that's why. But I look, I know for a lot of people, they do read books on Kindle. So for a lot of people, it will be actually the more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The the more preferred? Accessible? accessible? Yeah, accessible. But I was, yeah, I, I don't know what word I'm looking I have no for. fucking idea. <laughs> but but, but <laughs> anyway, it'll be like the easier way for people to read it, the more accessible version, as you would say. So yeah, I think people like it. So once again, it's Fire Alarm and Brad's very active on Twitter. So at Bradley Podliska on Twitter, Bradley P-O-D-L-I-S-K-A. Um, and it's been great having you on because I think this is an important topic for the audience. The audience loves hearing about what went on in Benghazi. The only thing I always say to the audience is, I and I think Chris feels the same, sometimes the anger like overtakes people. And I don't ever want people to hear this podcast and be like, man, this ruined my day. And sometimes you hear that. And it's like, I think it's just important to get to the bottom of the stuff to honor these guys and... Yeah. sometimes to let that anger go because at the most even the most recent thing which was a piece of good news these guys are finally getting the congressional gold yeah, medal yeah, yeah. somehow the responses will get are i'm pissed 
And it's like, this is not really the time to be pissed. This is a positive to a very horrible incident, right? So uh, yeah. that's There's my truth. Yeah, and the truth is coming out. You know, Sarah Adams, Ethan, and I, we're getting the truth out there. So people just be patient a little bit longer. We'll get you We'll get you the true story. Oh, while well, you're busting Ethan's balls about what I told you, also bust Sarah's balls for only attending five meetings. Why the hell did she tell that lazy ass? <laughs> All right. Because yeah, I read that. I was like, sir, I'm going to talk to her again. You only attended five meetings. You, you shithead. But I, I, Sarah's, Sarah was probably one of the best targeters I ever worked with. Highly respect her. And, and I'll be honest, if she would have been there that night instead of, you know, going to Germany to have dinner or whatever the hell she went, she, I know she would have picked up a gun and probably been shooting with us. So uh, yeah, she's pretty tough. So, but yeah, but Brad, you know, God bless you, man. And, yeah. um, yeah, yeah. Send me that footnote. I would, I would love to know who. who but uh, yeah. in the meantime, you know, just, just, just keep doing what you're doing, and and you know, just keep those parameters right and left limits, and stay down the road, man. Stay right in the limit, and just get the truth out how it is, and if people accept it. Fine if they don't, but just the facts, man. Just the facts, and let's <laughs> let, let's let's find out what happened, man, and get it out there. Uh, yeah, I appreciate it. It's been an honor to, to talk to you. As I, I I said before, what you guys did in Libya, I mean, that's the American spirit. You guys weren't, you know, waiting around for, you know, the government bureaucrats to, to help rescue you guys. You guys stuck together as a group. You guys fought back. And in the end, you guys, you know, showed what America is all about. Thank you. And so that's why it's, you know, it's been an honor to speak to you. And Ian, it's been a, a, an honor to speak to you uh, as well. Thanks. And so you as well. Brad, that, that, mean, that means a lot, man. Thanks, buddy. I, I really appreciate I really appreciate that. And I just had a lucky to be with a bunch of heroes that night. That's just all it was. So, yeah. thank you. Yeah, you guys were the heroes. There was there were no heroes in Washington. They were in living. So. <laughs> and I won't disagree with you on that one. I will just, <laughs> and we'll just, and that's about all I'm going to say about that right now. We'll get you on. We'll get you on next time when the when you got the next book out. Okay, buddy. Okay, great. Yeah, right, thanks. Buddy. That's all for this episode of the Battle Line Podcast. But we'll be back on Monday with more American Straight Talk. Until then, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Battleline Podcast and on Twitter at Battleline Pod. To sign up for future Battleline tactical courses, go to www.christantoperanto.net. Believe in yourself, face all challenges head on, and as always, never, never quit. quit.